Treating this morning is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher uh, come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is, when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus, Jesus answered, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Good morning. We're really glad to see each of you this morning. We've got some visitors with us. We're really thankful that you've come our way. And we're glad to see all of you that are present. I know there are a lot watching on live stream as well. Thank you so much for your participation. A couple of things before we get into our lesson in just a moment. Um, in the first place, a lot of people have been asking about the Reading in Sync program and what's gonna happen to that. So when we began that, it was 20 weeks ago, hard to believe it's been that long. And we said, we're just gonna do this through the end of the year. And so this coming week, starting tomorrow, was going to be originally the last week of the Reading in Sync program. Because things are still the way they are and because we're still dealing with a lot of people that are staying home because of health concerns, we're going to continue that program for a couple of more months. And so next week uh, and, and ongoing, at least until the end of February, we're going to try to keep on with the Reading in Sync program. I tell you that so that as you think about New Year's resolutions, I know a lot of people have a Bible program that they like to read or, or something like that. If you, if you want to read the Bible that way on your own, that's just fine. But uh, if you don't have a plan, if you don't, um, don't know what to do, just continue reading with us and with your families and, and talking about and praying about the things that, that we're reading together as a congregation. So we'll keep on doing that. And each lesson, each Sunday morning is going to continue to coincide with that week's reading. Um, we're going to do one thing a little bit different in the Reading in Sync program. Starting next week, we're going to have a question. And so as you're reading the daily uh, chapter, you'll be asking and answering a question that comes along with it. And uh, we'll also be doing a little bit more of reading an entire book in one week, for example. So a couple of variations, but we'll keep on doing that. Secondly, we haven't really announced this, but um, we have a theme for 2021. Our theme as a congregation for 2021 is the gospel is for all. It's a song in our songbook. It's the theme of scripture, but we want to focus on and we want to think about the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody. It is for all who want to come to Jesus Christ and want to obey him. And we want to emphasize that this coming year as a congregation and think about ways that as the people of God here in Katy, we can help more to realize and understand the gospel, the beautiful message of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So be thinking and praying about that as 2021 begins. Um, the gospel is for all. We'll be having some uh, banners and things like that made as, as we've been doing in the last few years, talking about that particular theme. And you'll be hearing some lessons along those lines as well. If Jesus came and sat in your living room, that's an interesting thought by itself. Jesus really did come to this world and he really did spend time sitting in people's living rooms. 
He really did spend time talking to individuals. If he came and sat in your living room and he had a conversation with you, what kinds of things do you think you would discuss? What kinds of things do you think that you would bring up if you were talking to Jesus, this this amazing teacher, Nicodemus is gonna call him in just a moment, a teacher that's come from God, John chapter three, verses one and two. But what, what kinds of things would you bring up with him? What would you ask him about? And maybe more importantly, the question ought to be reflected on, what would Jesus bring up? What would he wanna talk about? What kinds of concepts and ideas would he want to make the subject, the topic of discussion? And when you read the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read about people that encountered Jesus, people that met him personally and sat with him and ate with him, when you read about those conversations, it's really remarkable to think about what Jesus brought up, what he talked about. Have you been to Jesus? That's the question we've been asking this week as we looked at interactions with individuals in the life of Christ. And I want us to focus this morning especially on what Jesus had to say to Nicodemus. Open your Bibles if you haven't already done that to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And what I want us to do is I want us to think this morning about the new birth. Jesus brought up the subject of being born again in John chapter 3 verse 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot inherit the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 5. And so at least in this one instance, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, the subject of discussion that Jesus brought up was the new birth. And I want to ask you this morning to think about your own life. Have you been born again? Is that something that is important to you? Is it something you've ever thought about? Have you been born again? Have you participated in the new birth? And we're gonna see that when Jesus talked about being born again, he's not just talking about some metaphorical concept that's really abstract. He's talking about an event that happens in your life. He's talking about an event just as real as your physical birth, something that you can participate in and something you can be a part of where you come into fellowship with God. Jesus wanted to talk to Nicodemus about that subject. And Jesus would want to talk to you this morning about that same subject. Have you been to Jesus? Have you been born again? As we look at John chapter three, verses one and following, I want us to notice first of all, what we know about Nicodemus. There are some things that are worthy of our contemplation when we just think about this guy, kind of a funny name, Nicodemus. I don't know many people that are naming their kids Nicodemus these days, but here is this man. And when you think about what the Bible teaches about him, it's worthy of consideration. In the first place, Nicodemus was a religious man. He was, the Bible says, a Pharisee. In Acts 26 verse five, It says verse six on the screen, but in Acts 26, verse five, the Bible talks about the sect of the Pharisees, the group. It was a religious order, if you will. In Philippians three, verse five, Paul says that he used to be a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were very, very, very interested in the Bible. You wanted to know what the Bible taught. If you had a Bible question in the first century, go find a Pharisee because the Pharisees know their Bibles. 
And not only that, the Pharisees are concerned with holiness. We sang a a song just a few moments ago, holy is the Lord. The Pharisees would have amened that song emphatically. They were interested in the idea of holiness and of knowing the scriptures. And so this religious man, Nicodemus, a, a Pharisee comes to Jesus and starts a conversation with him. That's worthy of, of, of our contemplation. But notice secondly, that he was a ruler of the Jews, according to John chapter three, verse one. The Jews had people that were kind of their leaders, if you will, the Sanhedrin, a council. And Nicodemus was evidently a part of this particular council. He was a part of this particular group, a ruler of the Jews. And so when people saw Nicodemus walking down the street, they thought of him as somebody who knew his Bible, who was a teacher of the Bible, and somebody who was also so highly esteemed and highly accomplished in his life that he had become a leader among the people of God. He was a national leader. And it's interesting to think about the fact that Jesus in his conversations was not awed or overwhelmed by worldly rulers. As a matter of fact, Jesus treated everybody the same, regardless of if they were a prostitute or a tax collector or a a sinner, or regardless of whether they were a leader of the Jews, Jesus, or even Pilate, the leader of the Roman uh, presence there in Judea, Jesus talked to people and interacted with them on their level in a way that honored God. So here comes this leader among the Jews, somebody that had prestige and fame and, 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 and a good reputation. Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus. What else do we know about Nicodemus? As you look at your passage, the Bible says that he came to Jesus by night. There has been an awful lot written about the fact that Jesus came to visit, uh, Nicodemus came to visit Jesus by night. Why? And in a, in a nutshell, the reason is not given. A lot of people like to make a great deal out of the fact that maybe it was the fact that Nicodemus, as a ruler among the Jews, and because the Jews had decided they were going to put anybody out of the synagogue who believed in Jesus, John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43, and they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. People have said, well, maybe Nicodemus was concerned about his reputation, and he was ashamed to even be talking to Jesus one-on-one. That's a possibility, although the Bible doesn't necessarily indicate that. It may be that Nicodemus was really busy. You think about what would be involved in being a ruler of the Jews and being a teacher, and Nicodemus had a full list of responsibilities, and maybe night was the only time that he had to come and visit with Jesus. It may be the case, when you think of Nicodemus coming by night, that Nicodemus really wanted a private audience with Jesus. You think about this. Jesus during the day was surrounded by crowds. He was always being thronged by people and teaching people, and Nicodemus just maybe wanted to talk to Jesus privately, one-on-one. That's a possibility. And it may well be that John is indicating by telling us it was night when Nicodemus came, that John is trying to indicate for us that Nicodemus was really in the dark. Here's a man who knows the Bible like the back of his hand. Here's a man who's interested in holiness and he knows all about the promises of God and he knows all about the predictions of the Messiah, but he can't figure out yet how Jesus fits into that picture. He's in the dark. 
And Jesus, in the book of John, comes into a world of darkness, and he is the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. The light of the world, and Nicodemus comes to him, and he's in the dark. He comes by night, even though the reason's not given. There's a lot to think about there. He had seen evidence about Jesus, Nicodemus had. He calls him rabbi. And notice what he says in John chapter 3. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Verse 2, he says. No one else can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So there's something special about you, Jesus. You're a teacher who's come from God. You're doing, a miracle, you're doing miracles and only God can do these things. And so he's already come to some conclusions about Jesus. He's teaching things that come from God and he's able to do things that only God could do. One last thing to consider about Nicodemus. He actually appears three times in the Gospel of John. Three times. There's this interview in John chapter 3 when Jesus and Nicodemus had this conversation at night about who Jesus is and about the new birth. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, this new birth concept is being discussed in John chapter 3. But then Nicodemus appears a second time in the Gospel of John. Turn over in your Bibles just briefly to John chapter 7 and look at verses 50 through 52. The Pharisees, the enemies of Jesus, were trying to arrest him and Nicodemus, of course, being one of them, had some things to say about this. In John chapter 7 and verse 50, Nicodemus speaks up as they're arguing about how there's no way Jesus could be the Messiah. And Nicodemus just speaks up and says this, does our law judge a man, John 7, 51, before it hears him and knows what he's doing? Look at the evidence he's saying. They answered the other Pharisees and said to Nicodemus, are you also from Galilee? Kind of an insult. Search and look for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And so here's Nicodemus in a second situation being brought out in scripture. And at least he's a voice for reason and a voice for thinking about the evidence in John chapter seven, verses 50 and 52. And then Nicodemus shows up one more time. It's after the death of Christ. Turn to John chapter 19 and look if you would at verse 39. John chapter 19 and verse 39. This man Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night who said kind of reasonably, we ought to examine evidence before we draw conclusions. Nicodemus, after Jesus had been crucified, goes and apparently he's right there with Joseph of Arimathea who provides a tomb for Jesus. And Nicodemus, it says in John 19, 39, who at first came to Jesus by night also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pounds, an expensive gift. And Jesus' uh, Jesus, uh, body is anointed by what Nicodemus brings. And so here's a man who rules over the Jews, who has a lot of Bible education, who knows the scriptures, coming to talk to Jesus. And as you see him throughout the gospel of John, every time you see him, he's a little bit more, he's a little bit closer to the Savior. You know, sometimes it takes people a while to think about whether they're going to be born again. 
Sometimes it takes people a while as they come to know Jesus and as they understand more about him, as they learn more about who he is and what he's all about, it takes people time to think through whether or not obedience to the gospel is something they want to do. It takes people a while. That seems to be the case in Nicodemus's life. You just see glimpses of him, and the Bible never tells us more than this, what we just read. It never tells us whether he, came, he became a full-fledged disciple, but it seems to indicate that that may well have been the case. There are a lot of people that take their time thinking, and there's an urgency. When we know what we need to do to be saved, when we know what we need to do to come into a right relationship with God, we need to take advantage of today. But there's something, there's something about people that they want to look at Jesus and they want to reflect on who he is and they want to reflect on what he's able to provide. And Nicodemus took his time doing that. Those are some things we know about this particular man. Now, when Jesus begins this conversation with Nicodemus, open your Bibles again to John chapter three and notice again in verse three, the way Jesus visits with Nicodemus. He brings up the new birth. Again, in John chapter three, verse three, Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is confused, of course, in verse 4. How can a man uh, be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says in John 3, verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So Jesus wanted to talk to Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews, this Pharisee, this man who is tremendously educated in the things of scripture about the new birth about being born again, about being born of the water, water and the spirit, about being renewed. He wanted to talk to Nicodemus about those things. And Jesus would want to talk to you about those very same things this morning. Being renewed, being born again, being born of the spirit. Jesus wants you to think about those things. And here's what he means when he talks about being born again. Number one, Jesus wants you to know that he has the power to change your fleshly materialistic life into a different kind of life, a spiritual life that's in fellowship with God. Jesus has the power to do that. Nobody else does. That's why Jesus made the claims that he did in John chapter 14, verse six, for example. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has the power to transform your life from a fleshly, materialistic life, a life that's all about what we can see and what's in this world. It's always concerned about the things that this world provides, the, the risks that this world poses, and it doesn't ever think about spiritual things. Jesus has the power to change your life from a fleshly materialistic kind of life into a spiritual life. And the benefit of a spiritual life, brothers and sisters and friends, is that it's in fellowship with God. We know God, we have a relationship with him, we are his children. First John chapter one, verses one through seven. We have fellowship with one another, but more importantly, our fellowship is with God himself. Jesus can change your life. 
And he wanted Nicodemus to think about this. Nicodemus, who knew the Bible so well, still needed to see that Jesus had power to do something that the Old Testament on its own merits couldn't do. The Old Testament couldn't change your life the way Jesus can. What does being born again mean? Number two, it means that we must allow the Word of God, the seed of the Holy Spirit, that's the language Jesus uses here, to change our thinking. We've got to allow God's Word, the seed of the Holy Spirit, that's what the Word of God is, to change our thinking. If I want to be born again, if you want to be born again, I've got to start thinking the way the Bible tells me to think. I've got to let God's Word penetrate my mind and heart and let it change my thoughts. That's part of the experience of being born again. And that's why if you look at verse 12 of John chapter 3, John 3 verse 12, he says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how, you, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You see, Jesus came to this world and he started talking about things like the new birth and about being living water. And he talked about being the bread of life in John chapter six. And Jesus had all these different ideas to try to get across to people that they needed to change, they needed to be born again. But it all comes back to letting the seed of the Holy Spirit, letting the word of God, the scriptures, change our thinking. Turn in your Bibles just briefly, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter one. And Peter got this message. 1 Peter chapter one and verse 23. And look at how the Bible describes this idea of letting the seed of the spirit change our thinking. In 1 Peter chapter one, verse 23, Peter is writing to Christians by inspiration. And he says, Christians, you have been born again. 1 Peter one, verse 23. You've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Physical seed makes possible a physical birth. Spiritual seed makes possible spiritual birth. And that's exactly Jesus' point in John chapter three. He's saying, if the new birth is gonna happen in your life, the first thing you need is to listen intently to what God has taught you and let the words of God transform your mind. Don't object, don't rebel, don't naysay it and act like it's just kind of a buffet and I'll just take the parts of God's word that I want but I'm gonna leave these behind. Listen to God's word and let it change your thinking. Christianity is a taught religion. People need to hear the message of Jesus Christ and once they hear the message, What's happening when the word of God gets into people's hearts and minds is the seed of the Holy Spirit begins to change their thinking if they'll let it. It'll change your thinking if you'll let it. By the way, there are two alternatives. If you don't let the Bible change the way you think, if you don't let God's word change the way that you're, that you're looking at life, two alternatives. Alternative number one is that you're gonna live an immoral life and or you're going to be insufficiently concerned with spiritual things. There are a lot of people that we might call good people, people like Nicodemus, who are living their lives and yet they're lost. 
They're outside of Christ because they've not participated in the new birth. They've not been born again. The other alternative is that we become self-righteous. I don't need a savior and I certainly don't need Jesus to save me. That concept is widespread as well. Those are the two alternatives. If I don't let God's word change my thinking, one of those two alternatives is gonna characterize me. We need to be born again. And so when you go back to John chapter three and you look at what Jesus says about being born again, it is an experience, one experience in two parts. The first part we've been talking about is this. I listen to God's word. I let the seed of God's spirit change my thinking. I let the things that the spirit has revealed through the apostles and through the prophets in the New Testament and through Jesus Christ, I let those things change the way I think. It lets me change the way I think about what life is all about, about how I'm to conduct myself in my home, my marriage, my family. The word of God changes the way I think about my relationships in the business world. It changes the way I think about the New Testament church and what it means to be a part of the New Testament church. God's word changes the way I think. And it makes, it changes the way I think about my need for salvation, my need to know God. The second part of this experience, is found in John chapter three, verse five. God changes our relationship to him at baptism. Jesus would say to you and me, you need to be born again. It has to do with laying the seed of the Holy Spirit, change your thinking, number one. And then God is the one who changes my relationship with him. And he does so when I'm born of water and the spirit. You see that in John chapter three, verse five. And unless you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Can't be a part. Jesus wanted to talk to Nicodemus about these things and he would want to talk to you about these things as well. If you've not been born of water and the spirit, you can't be by Jesus' own admission, a part of the kingdom that belongs to God. Now, as we think about this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, we ought to ask this question, what's different if I decide to do what Jesus commands me to do, if I, if I decide to accept his invitation to be born again, to be born of water and the spirit, to come to him, to repent, to be baptized for the remission of my sins, if I decide to do that, what's different? Because there's a change that takes place. I'd like to suggest four changes in all of our lives when we're born again. Change number one, our perspective changes. Life is not so much about how much money we have and about what kind of house we live in and about how many children we have and those kinds of things. Those things can be important. But when we're born again, what life is really all about are things like sin and salvation and eternity and souls. And we really take seriously the words of Jesus when he says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark 8, 36 and 37. Jesus came to the world and said, everybody's got priority problems. Everybody's thinking too much about the short term. We're thinking about right now. We're thinking about a year from now and we're not thinking about eternity enough. 
When we're born again, we start thinking about eternity and we start thinking about eternal things and we set our minds on things above. And all of a sudden, all of life is transformed and all of our decisions are different for different reasons because we're letting God's word transform the way we think. What's different when you're born again? Secondly, our goals. Before, I just did whatever I thought was best. Before I was born again, I just did whatever I felt like was good and the right thing to do. And sometimes I knew it was the wrong thing to do and I went ahead and did it anyway. But now, since I've been born again, my goals have changed. And I wanna have the kinds of goals that Jesus had. Not my will, but thine be done. Matthew 26, verse 39. I wanna have those kinds of goals because that's what my Savior teaches me to do. Reoriented to doing the will of God, glorifying Him in everything we say and think and do. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. What's different when we're born again? Number three, our state is different. Baptism is an experience with God in space and in time, and we can communicate the significance of that experience to others because we have it explained for us in Scripture. Jesus said it is the new birth. It is the point in time when you are born. It is your spiritual birthday when you're baptized. You are not saved prior to baptism, only to be confirmed that you've been saved in baptism. No, baptism is itself the process of God changing our relationship to Him. We're buried with Christ and we're raised with Christ to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, verses 3 through 6. And so baptism is the point at which someone goes from being lost to being saved. Baptism is the point at which someone goes from being under Satan's rule and authority to being under God's rule and authority. Baptism is the point at which someone goes from being in darkness to being in the kingdom of God's dear son. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. What happens when we participate in the new birth and being born again? Our state changes. And the Bible is very, very clear about that. What happens when we're born again? Our relationships change, every single one. There is no relationship in your life that is not touched by Jesus Christ, that is not influenced by the Word of God. In the first place, everybody around us, every human being we come into contact with, we now ought to see, because our perspective has changed, as a precious soul that's going to exist somewhere for eternity. Jesus gave his life for that very principle, for that very idea. He died on the cross believing that people are gonna spend eternity somewhere. And he said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost, Luke 19, verse 10. But then secondly, as our relationships change, and this is a really interesting Bible study. If you're looking for something just to kind of on your own do in 2021, go through the New Testament and look at the motivations, why I treat people the way I do, why as a Christian I should behave the way I should. It's not just because the world expects me to, and it's not just because our culture says this is the right thing to do, but the motivations, the reasons for our behavior are different. Even those who were slaves in the ancient world were given a different motivation for service to their masters. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And masters were given different motivations for how they ought to treat their slaves. It's all because of who we belong to now. It's all because in the new birth, we've become part of the family of God. We belong to him. We have a relationship with him now. And because I belong to him and I'm his child, the way I treat other people, whether they're lost or saved, the way I treat other people is going to be different because I see them differently and because I serve a risen Savior. Why does God tell us to do the things we do? The motivations are really a fascinating study of being born again. So if Jesus came and sat in our living rooms and talked to us, what would he bring up? What would he talk about? I can almost guarantee we would not visit with Jesus very long in our living rooms before something about the blessings that he offers, the judgment that is coming, and the need to be born again would come from the lips of our Savior. Have you been born again? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? If we can help you by responding to heaven's invitation, come down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing.